I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. At the start of each year, I make predictions and prognostications about what the future of work holds for us for the coming year. 2023 is coming to a close very soon, so it seems fitting to check in and see how I did with my 2023 workplace predictions. So that's what we're going to do on this episode of the Working Conversations podcast. Let's dive in and see how accurate I was, how many hits and how many misses in my 2023 predictions. First, let's do a quick recap of my predictions. Prediction number one, The labor shortage we've been experiencing these past few years will continue and will get worse. Prediction number two, we are going to experience more values-based generational clash in the workplace. Prediction number three, artificial intelligence moves from conceptual to useful in many more categories of work. Prediction number four, return to office and work from home will continue to clash in a push-pull relationship. And prediction number five, interpersonal skills move to the top of the list in what's desired in employees and leaders. All right, let's take them one at a time and see how I did. Prediction number one, the labor shortage we've been experiencing these past few years will continue and get worse. Yes, 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 and unfortunately, yes. A recent report from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that the unemployment rate has dropped since March 2023, reaching a low of 3.4%. More people are finding jobs, but there still aren't enough workers to go around, with just 5.6 million unemployed workers for the 9.5 million jobs that are open in the U.S. So, Job growth in the U.S., that is the number of jobs, new jobs being created, is slowing slightly. So that could actually help ease the strain if we're not putting more new jobs into the marketplace. But in the grand scheme of things, the rate of growth slowdown is in fact very slight. The numbers sound big at face value. For example, in October 2023, the U.S. economy added only 150,000 new jobs compared with the 260,000 average new jobs that were created each month throughout 2023 overall. So that's 110,000 jobs. But when you couch that in the 9.5 million job openings that there are right now, you can see that this is a pretty small number. But fewer new jobs coming online overall can provide some relief in the tight labor market. Also, the labor force participation rate, that is the percentage of people who can work and choose to do so, stayed fairly steady throughout 2023 at around 62 to 63%. So people who can work but choose not to are staying put rather than entering or re-entering the workforce. And another factor that impacts the labor market is the economy overall. 
While in the U.S. we teetered on the brink of a recession, the economy was in fact stronger than anticipated as the year went on, even in the face of higher inflation and interest rates. And when the economy is strong, well, we need more workers because people are buying things, traveling, eating out at restaurants, and all of those things require people in jobs to provide those goods and services. And of course, we still have that low birth rate starting back in 2007, 2008 that I've discussed in the past. And that population of workers, what there is of them, well, they are just starting to hit the workforce and also accounting for part of that shortage. And that's just not going to go away. The demographics are the demographics. So I was fairly spot on in prediction number one. Let's go on to prediction number two. We are going to experience more generational clash in the workplace. So I found it to be very interesting this year with the Pew Research Center announcing that they were going to stop producing research on generational differences because it was no longer a meaningful construct or way of categorizing people and understanding data in most cases. Now, they still will do a piece of generational research here and there where generations really are at the heart of it. Now, what's interesting about this is that anecdotally, more and more managers are talking to me about how difficult it is for them to manage different generations, especially as it pertains to and relates to return to office or work from home and that whole conversation of workplace flexibility. Those who prefer return to office are, to an extent, split across generational lines. It's really interesting. Turns out that baby boomers who tend to be the oldest workers in the workforce, and Gen Z workers, those who are the youngest in the workforce, are the two generations who are more inclined to want to be back in the office. Meanwhile, the millennials and Gen X tend to want to work from home more than those other two generations. But alas, I'm heading a little bit into prediction number four, which was about that work from home and return to office debate. The clash though with generational differences is indeed real. And maybe clash is too strong of a word, but there is definitely frustration. And of course, it is confounded by where we work. Because if you have people who are adept to the technology but prefer being in person, or less adept at the technology and prefer being in person, that would be the Gen Z and the baby boomers, they can get very frustrated with their millennial and Gen X counterparts who are largely wanting to work from home. Now, Hopefully, we are moving past an age where we are blaming things on generational differences and now starting to get more curious about our similarities and our differences and not just slapping generational labels on them. So with prediction number two, experiencing more generational clash in the workplace, I'm going to give that a yes and. Yes, we were experiencing lots of frustration that did happen to fall along generational lines, but I think it's more nuanced than just calling it a generational difference. It really has to do with, and I'll talk about this one more when I talk about prediction number four, but it really does have to do, I think, with where the generations are in the life cycle and what else they have going on in their lives besides work in terms of where they want to work and in terms of how easily or challenged they are in collaborating with one another. So I'm going to say, yes, sort of. I sort of hit that prediction. But I think it didn't quite pan out as I had initially predicted it entirely to be. All right, prediction number three. 
artificial intelligence moves from conceptual to useful in many more categories of work. <laughs> well, chat, GPT, and its various cousins in the generative artificial intelligence space have definitely found their way into more and more categories of work. Last year, when I made this prediction, the public release of ChatGPT was in its infancy. ChatGPT had been out for about a month. People who were starting to use it, like me, we were excited and curious. Now, we've seen it used responsibly, and when it's used responsibly, you might not even know it's being used at all. Now, more on that in a bit. And of course, we've seen it used irresponsibly. Most notably, Sports Illustrated came under fire near the end of this calendar year, 2023, for publishing AI-generated articles with bylines of people who don't exist. So not only were the articles fabricated, the authors of those articles were also fabricated. Now, Sports Illustrated, of course, is not alone in this. Earlier in the year, the Gannett newspaper chain and the CNET technology website both had AI experiments that went awry, damaging their reputation in the process. So we've seen lots of examples, certainly in journalism and even some other fields, where AI has been used irresponsibly. Now, I mentioned I was going to give a nod to using AI responsibly. Used responsibly, AI can dramatically increase productivity and creativity. So responsible journalists, content creators, researchers, and so many more professionals are using AI to generate ideas and create outlines and first drafts and so much more. I often use AI in the creation of this podcast, of the episodes of this podcast, by asking it to give me counterpoints to my opinions and my ideas. And in doing so, ChatGPT and the other tools that I use expand my viewpoint and stretch my thinking. However, when using it responsibly, it must be fact-checked because it can be wrong. It can be absolutely wrong. So super important in using it responsibly to fact-check. All right, but back to my prediction. And the prediction, again, was that artificial intelligence will move from conceptual to useful in many, many more categories of work. So back to my prediction, from x-rays that are reviewed first by AI before going to a final review by a radiologist, to marketing companies using AI to boost their creativity and create designs and marketing assets faster, to exterminators predicting what insects will be pests in your area in the coming weeks and months so that they can anticipate your needs in advance of an infestation, Absolutely, AI is moving into more and more categories of work. It's astounding. And Reuters News notes that there are now tiny AI-powered robots used to pollinate crops such as strawberries, blueberries, tomatoes, potatoes, and bell peppers. These little robot bees produce the vibrations that shake off pollen from the flowers to fertilize plants so they can bear fruit. I mean, it's amazing. It's astounding the things that AI is doing now. So yes, AI has moved from conceptual to useful in many, many more categories of work, and it will continue to shape how we work in incredibly profound ways in the coming years. So I was spot on in that prediction. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. 
Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Prediction number four. Return to office and work from home will continue to clash in a push-pull relationship. Now, I swear there were more business news articles about this than any other topic in 2023, and they were all over the map. A headline in Time Magazine read, Return to office is losing. Hybrid work is on the rise. (laughs) And then... That was on one hand, and then on the other hand, we've got a Washington Post headline, Bosses mean it this time. Return to the office or get a new job. (laughs) So the debate about where to work raged on all year long. Now, some large firms made headlines by demanding employees be in the office five days a week, four days a week, three days a week, and employees pushed back in many of those large organizations and continued to work from home. Some pushing the boundaries to see if they actually really would get fired. And between me and you, it didn't happen all that often. Now, remember I said there were some generational lines. So people who love to work from home, and again, there is that generational correlation of Gen X and millennials enjoying working from home, perhaps more than their Gen Z and baby boomer counterparts. Now, this could be family and stage of life related because a lot of those Gen Xers and millennials, I count myself among them, are in a stage of life where they are juggling work with raising a family and running a household. And so that really may make a difference for people who are in that stage of life, that it is just more convenient for them to be home and not have to do the commute as well. So there's a few different factors that play into it, especially for the stage of life and when parenthood and, and various things are involved. Again, for more often than not, the Gen Xs and the millennials. Now, the people who love returning to the office, again, by and large, it's baby boomers and Gen Z. And of course, there are individual variances among that, but it does tend to fall along generational lines in terms of those strong preferences. And in particular, Gen Z wanting to meet people and form those personal and professional relationships that by and large, they just haven't been able to do because of the pandemic. And it is so much harder to create those kinds of relationships and get your career established when working remotely. Now, of course, in this whole work from home and work from the return to office debate, Uh, We've got that productivity debate inside of that raging about who is more productive, people who are working from home or people who've returned to the office. And there are absolutely no conclusions in that. As you've probably heard me say on the podcast before, as I've talked about productivity uh, in the last part of 2023, there is really a lot of individual preference on where people work best and where people are more productive. And that has everything to do with the type of collaboration you're doing with your colleagues. 
Some type of collaboration is easy to do online, and in fact, online may foster that collaboration more readily. But then there are other types of work where that collaboration is best done in person. And so being co-located, at least on the collaboration days or for the collaboration meetings, makes the most sense. And then, of course, there is personal focus. Some people are able to focus quite well at home and others are easily distracted when working from home by things like the dishes and cleaning their house. And I I mean, I just don't understand those people because I would way rather work. Of course, I do love my work. I love all the work that I do. But even some of my most mundane and tedious tasks, I would rather do those than vacuum the, the living room floor. All right. Now, there is some serious downside to working from home. Culture does suffer when people work remotely, especially for an organization that was co-located and has then moved to a distributed work environment as a result of the pandemic. If your company was remote and virtual prior to the pandemic, the culture probably had grown up in that virtual space. And so working remotely didn't impact it at all. It was part of the culture. But in those organizations that were co-located 100% or nearly 100% prior to the pandemic, culture does suffer when people work remotely. In a 2022 Corn Ferry study of 15,000 global executives, two-thirds of them agreed that corporate culture accounts for more than 30% of their company's market value. So that's a big chunk of what their company is all about, a cornerstone of the company. And according to that study, many leaders believe that a strong culture can only be established and maintained, quote, if everyone is, at least some of the time, occupying the same workplace. Now, some of that could be older senior leaders with outmoded mm, belief systems and understanding of how work gets done. But I do think that there is something there, especially if it's an organization that has traditionally worked face-to-face for most or all of its uh, existence up until the pandemic. So yes, if we go back to my prediction, return to office and work from home will continue to clash in a push-pull relationship. Yes, it clashed all year long. Listen in next week when I share my predictions for 2024, because this issue ranks pretty high on my prediction list, and I've got some very distinct thoughts about what might be in store for 2024 as it relates to working from home or returning to the office. All right, prediction number five, interpersonal skills move to the top of the list in what's desired in employees and leaders. Desired? Yes. Uh, Well, at least by some. Are they getting those skills? Are they getting the training and development they need? Well, that's questionable, especially when we do slice it demographically by generation. A new Adobe survey of 1,000 Gen Z workers found that almost half of them were wanting more training on hard skills, that is, the technical skills. On the contrary, only a third of them were keen on polishing up their soft skills like communication. Meanwhile, managers are more and more concerned about the lack of communication skills and interpersonal skills in the workplace with those Gen Z workers. And large consulting firms like Deloitte and KPMG have been raising concerns about Gen Z's lack of workplace etiquette, which senior leaders also often echo. But it's not just Gen Z, though. Managing a hybrid world and a hybrid workforce takes a very different approach and a different skill set than managing in person. 
And the managers can really be of any generation, but probably not Gen Z because they're so new to the workforce. Most of them are not yet in supervisory or management positions. But this is an area where I've delivered the most training this year when I'm not keynoting or podcasting, I'm training. And this year, my course on managing in a hybrid and virtual world is my most popular training program by far. So the managers know that they need new skills. And overwhelmingly, I mean, sometimes when I go into an organization to do this training, people come into the class kind of resistant, like they don't think they need the training. And they leave the training just gushing about how much they learned and how immediately they can put this stuff to use. So this is definitely something that the training has moved to the top of the list in terms of what's desired in employees and leaders. Now, the employees want their leaders to get the training to be better managers, and the managers want their employees to get the training on communicating more effectively in the workplace and collaborating better and so forth. But I don't necessarily know that they're all getting the training they need. So my prediction on this one is maybe a bit of a mixed bag. Some want the skills and some don't. I think everybody wants everybody else to have the skills, but most people think that they don't need the skills themselves. So it's kind of funny, but I'm going to hold the position that they all need the skills. And I think the younger workers absolutely need the skills in workplace etiquette and communication in the workplace. And the managers and the workers who have been around a little bit longer definitely need the skills on how to work more effectively in a hybrid and virtual world. So there you have it, my friends, my predictions. I'll run through them again one last time and tell you how I think I fared. Prediction number one, the labor shortage we've been experiencing these past few years will continue and will get worse. And yes, I nailed that one. Spot on. Uh, Prediction number two, we're going to experience more values-based generational clash in the workplace. Mm, So-so. I think we've experienced it, but not necessarily for the reasons that I thought. I think it has more to do with work from home and return to office. Prediction number three, artificial intelligence moves from conceptual to useful in many more categories of work. Nailed it. Yes, I was spot on with that one. Prediction number four, return to office and work from home will continue to clash in a push-pull relationship. Absolutely nailed that one. Yes, yes indeed. And prediction number five, interpersonal skills move to the top of the list of what's desired in employees and leaders. And again, I'm going to give myself a so-so on that one. So there you have it, my predictions from 2023 and how I think I did. So I would say three solid hits and two middle of the roads. Tune in next week when I give you my predictions for 2024 and what will unfold in the 2024 workplace. Now, remember, as we wrap this episode, the future of work is not only about the technology, it's about the values we uphold, the communities we build, and the sustainable growth we all strive for. We need to keep exploring, keep innovating, and keep envisioning the remarkable possibilities that lie ahead. As always, stay curious, stay informed, and stay ahead of the curve. Tune in next Monday when we run through those 2024 predictions. Until then, my friends, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.